0: Our God is alive. When we pray, we do not pray to a dead body in a tomb. He is risen. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He is present in the Holy Spirit to comfort and to quicken our spirits and to convict us of our sin. And I want us today to think on the subject, have you heard the good news? In our first service today, there were several that heard the good news for the first time in their life and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. You never know. You never know what God wants to do on any given day of your life. Galatians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, having so many things to say to us even till this very day, refers back to the Christmas story in the fourth chapter, in the fourth verse, through the seventh verse. But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ make sure that you understand if you are a Christian that God has given to you eternal life but there's more to it than just a gift separate from what has happened to you is that God has adopted you into the family and now we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ we're a child of the king We're not just a recipient of some kind of tangible gift. We are adopted to where now we can pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We can understand that God lives in us. And of all the seasons of the year, Christmas and Easter, stand side by side in that a child was born. But that child, after the crucifixion, rose three days later from a grave. And the message of Christmas, this is a part that everybody ought to hear, is in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. All of us. Our gift... Is Jesus himself he came to live in our life he came in order that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly he came that we might know the difference between right and wrong what would bless us eternally rather than what would entertain us temporarily he came in order that we might know the longer you serve him the sweeter he grows he came to let us understand that if we would come to him and be adopted unto his family, he would tear up everything in our past. He would bury it in the bottom of the sea and remember it no more. He tried to get that message over, but man in our, in our sinful nature has got people confused, frustrated, mad, arrogant, apathetical, you name the word. But here today, we have an opportunity to hear the good news and what the Christmas story is all about thats Jesus clearly laid it out. Most everybody is participating in the Christmas festivities. We got the singing and the eating and the having a the big time and being entertained and being blessed. I guess the biggest dilemma comes at Christmas is what are we going to give? How many times have you brought it up in your family? You talk about somebody, you know, cousin so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, whatever. What are we going to give her? What are we going to give him? What are we going to do him? What are we going to do? What are we going to give? What are we going to give? Well, somewhere along on that list, and it ought to be at the top of the list, what are we going to give God? Now, let me tell you something. Until you give yourself to God, God doesn't want anything you have, okay? If you don't say, well, I made up my mind. I'm not going to follow the Lord. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to live on what I, uh, what I can. I'm going to get all I can. I'm going to can all that I get and sit on the can and poison the rest. And I'm going to do everything I can to make everybody around me miserable. And especially those that want to talk about that crazy story in the Bible about God becoming flesh and the purpose of Jesus. I'm just too smart to believe that. That's the kind of talk that we hear today. But you know what? God's two greatest gifts to us. Are one is his son Jesus and the other is time. None of us know what another day is going to bring. God has given us this much time. Doesn't matter how old you are. He's given us up until right now. And that gift of time is very important. As I've already told you that we don't know, and even Sage might has been hit very hard this week by seeing how people can pass so quickly. But you know what? God thought it out, and he said, I'm going to become like you are, In order that you can become like I am, He came to this world to live in us, and and the way the writer of the New Testament put it, Christ in us, is the hope of glory. You see, whenever you realize that God lives in you, then you know I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's where I'm getting my strength. That's where I'm getting my hope. That's where I'm getting my vision, is that God lives in me. But let me tell you something God is not our Father just because He is our Creator. There's there's another step. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made us, but he's not our father until we are adopted into his family. And he has told us very clearly how we are to be adopted into the family. You do not have to pick up a telephone and call a a Christian lawyer or a non-Christian lawyer and ask them, how can I get adopted into God's family? God has laid it all out. And he made it very, very, very clear. But he wants to be known not as the creator, but as our father. And we worship an awesome God. You know, everything God does is so wonderful until we just start getting used to it. I'm talking to a lot of people today, you've been blessed so much, you just take it for granted that you deserve it. You just feel like it, you go around. I just never had, I've never been sick a day in my life, you know. Of course, you got a bad memory, but anyway, that's all right, sounds good. <laughs> you know, I just got everything I need. I'm, I'm living a comfortable life, I'm doing this. You're just talking about, I'm just so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Well, why don't you do something to show the are that you're blessed? Well, why don't you stop and think, you know what? I'm not going to just become comfortable with my blessings. I am going to use those blessings in whatever way God blesses me, whether he gives me a particular job in a particular place, a particular place to go to school. I'm born into a particular family. I move into a a particular community. I live in a particular nation. Whatever it is, I'm going to use whatever I do in word or deed, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. I have been receiving the blessings, and now I am going to bless. You know, when we think of Bethlehem, we think of God with us. When we think of Calvary, we think of Christ in us. Colossians 1:27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then when we think of the day of Pentecost, when God, uh, the, Jesus went back into heaven, we see God as, uh, or we see that as God in us. I'm going to leave the comforter, and he's going to abide with you forever, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit comes into a believer, and with that Holy Spirit coming into the believer, now he that's in us is stronger than he that's in the world. So as we go out to do whatever we do, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for however many years God gives us, we're going to do that to the glory of God, and we're going to allow God to use these hands, these feet, this, this mouth, this mind, these eyes, ears, whatever. We're going to use it for the glory of God. When we think differently, we get into trouble. But let me tell you something. God doesn't draft anybody into, into his family. Not a single one of us are drafted. We have to volunteer. We have to ask to be adopted. He does not just say, okay, I'm gonna take you and you and you and you and you. No, I not want you, uh, you and you and you. No, no, that's not the way it works. He's looking for volunteers. He says, whosoever will may come, but you got a choice. I'm so glad I don't have to be saved. I'm glad you don't have to be saved. Because if we had to be, and if you had to be, we'd probably both be miserable and couldn't get along with each other for one, five minutes. But when we realize, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he wants to live in my life. Yes, we are all made different. In order that we can be a part of the family of God and we can unite everything we have, young and old, rich and poor, all colors of skin, all backgrounds, all different IQs, different educations, different families. But all of it comes together at the cross and at the tomb of being the family of God. You see, God's looking for people that are volunteered to come and follow him. Those that will volunteer to pray and seek his face. Those that are volunteered to serve. Those that are volunteered to pray. And yes, those that are volunteered to give. God's not going to take away from you your money because it's not yours. It's already his. He has entrusted it to you and it breaks his heart when you don't get the blessing he had for you when he gave it to you. The same way with your health. The same way with your personal appearance. The place where you work or go to school or whatever. You know, God doesn't love us because we're valuable. We're valuable because he loves us. That's what puts worth in us. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Bought with his blood. But I'm a part of the kingdom. I'm in the royal family. (laughs) He knows me. I don't have to call somebody and say, can you get me into him? I hear you're really close up to him. I hear you really, really, you know, that he really knows you. You know what? If you've asked him to come into your heart, you know him too. You're adopted into the family. That's what the Bible says. And I've learned something through life. God had a whole lot rather forgive me than judge me. He had a whole lot rather for me just to confess my sins and turn from my wicked ways and let him forgive me than to have to judge me. He wants us to live life and he wants us to live it more abundantly. The world asks, where is God? I haven't seen God. You tell me you've seen God. I haven't seen God. God said, I've made myself so evident in creation I mention that over and over again because I love the outdoors. I love to look into the heavens on a dark night, especially when you get away from the city lights. A few days ago, I was in Rial County at the corner of Highway 41, I believe it's Highway 83, and there's a shopping center there called Garvin Store. About 100 years old. It's an old wood building. Original building is there. I think gasoline's still about $3 a gallon there. You know, they haven't got the word yet that it's gone down, but anyway. <laughs> and they have restroom there. They don't say clean restroom. They just say restroom. And it's a few yards back behind the building, if you know what I'm talking about. I see some of our Lakey neighbors over there going like this. Well, I went and stopped there, and I started back to the restroom. As I was going to the restroom, I looked over on the wall of the little walkway going out there, and there was an old, old building there. And I looked, and I saw something caught my eye. I want to show you. I made a picture of it. Once want you to look very close at this picture. And you'll, if you'll look in the middle, that face is a pretty horrible face. This is a clown moth, I have learned, after looking at it for about five minutes. It never moved. I learned that this moth will go and light on a wall when it wants to get some rest. Spreads out like that, and that's what it looks like. And nothing bothers it. I didn't bother it. I thought if I even slap that thing and miss, he'll bite my arm off. Look at that face. <laughs> but I want you to look closely, real just for a moment. It's about that wide. Every little feather, every little whatever they are, feathers or whatever they got, makes that face. And it scares everything off of that moth. How did that happen? Oh, just by accident, of course. Haven't you been to school? It was just blowed up. They were picking chickens and it blew up and all the feathers came back down and made a clown moth. No. Have you ever studied what God has made? Blow up blow up a tick, a little bitty tick. Blow it up to as big as a horse. It'll scare you to death. I mean, you'll be scared of ticks. You won't even go in the country anymore. And a red bug is just as bad. How does all that happen? God said, I've made myself so evident. Now the God of creation says, but I want to come and live in your heart. I want to do some magnificent things in you that people cannot understand. I want to come and live in you and I am the way to the Father. I'm the truth, I'm the life. Jesus is our way to God and, it's, and Jesus is God's way to us. The only way that God can get in my heart is through Jesus. And the only way I can get to God is through Jesus. There's no other name given among men. So when we get away from that news that we are heirs, that God wants to use us and bless us, then all of a sudden you start feeling loved. Jesus loves me. I feel loved. If nobody else loves me, I feel loved. If you know Jesus, you're going to love Jesus if you love jesus you're going to trust jesus if you trust jesus you're going to obey jesus and if you obey jesus you're going to be blessed by jesus it's jesus 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 and as we go day by day even when you don't feel loved jesus loves you and you can't do one thing about it sometimes people feel better when they feel like they're not loved because then they feel sorry for themselves they have a pity party nobody comes So they just to get, they're the entertainment, the show, the program, they're everything. But the people that are really happy are the people that know that my God is an unconditional lover. He doesn't love me because of who I am. He loves me because of who he is. He loves sinners. He died for sinners. And you and I are one of a kind, just like that ugly moth. We are, he is beautiful in his colors. But for what he looks like that, there was a purpose. There was a purpose. My, what a God. You know, God only wants for us what we'd want for ourselves if we were smart enough to want it. We don't know what we want. We don't know what we need. Isn't it interesting how people just waste their time doing such crazy things Like standing in line at a lottery because they want money. And the king of kings and the Lord of lords that owns it all, churches today are half full. Lottery lines are getting longer. Where your chances are the same as getting hit twice by lightning in your lifetime is winning. But you come and get right with God and you're a winner. Every single one of us. You don't draw. We just make the move. And then he says, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. I'll take care of you. So, when was the gift given? In the fullness of time. The fullness of time. Just at the right time. I'm glad we don't have Christmas in September, August. God never works haphazardly, He's the source and the center of law and order. And He's pursuing you, He's pursued me. We baptized a little boy, seven years old this morning. Um, excuse me, a little girl, she was seven. Her brother was, uh, I believe, 10 in the first service. I love to talk to seven-year-olds because I was seven when Jesus came into my heart. And I can identify with that. I can remember that day as if it were yesterday. It's the only day I can remember when I was seven. It was the day I was obedient in believer's baptism. There's something about God taking over your life that changes Everything. He never works haphazardly. Astronomers tell us that they can so accurately predict the movement of the heavenly bodies as to be able to tell the exact second at which an eclipse of the sun and the moon will take place a hundred years in advance. That's pretty good control of the universe, wouldn't you say? When man can predict in one second what can happen in a hundred years because God controls. If he can control the universe, he can control me and you. If we would submit to him like the universe is in submission to him, he can control us with the same accuracy. And every step we make will be ordained by God that's planted. Timing is everything in sports. It's important in a marriage. It's important in music. It's important in investing. And it was important in the coming of Jesus. Exactly at the right time, Jesus came into this world. And as he came once at the appropriate time, he's going to come back again. Matthew 5, 18 says, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Christmas. Christmas. Gives us an opportunity to celebrate the fullness of time. It's just the way God's planned it. Emmanuel, God with us. God's contract called for a Savior to come at the right time. And he did. That's history. Now, he's coming back at the right time. That's prophecy. But right now... None of us know what another day will bring. But when we know the creator and the planner, we just trust him. And that's called faith. So in the fullness of time, at the proper time, he sent the right gift. God sent his only begotten son. Galatians 4.4 says, God sent forth his son. Let me ask you a question. If you had been God, what would you have sent? good health I just seen everybody got a lot of money that's what I've done I just I just give out a million dollars whatever how about peace I think what the world needs right now is peace well why don't we invite the prince of peace to take over our world and by start by taking over our life why don't we do that why don't we just get down to where the water hits the wheel and and quit being like each other and start trying to be like him that should be our goal. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, call his name Emmanuel. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself. John 1.14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. More than good health, wealth, or money, he sent his son and made that gift available to every single person that would leave. Unbelief and become a believer. That is the answer. That is the answer. Every one of us this morning have a chance. 1 Peter 4, 1, Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. 1 John 4, 2, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He came and dwelt among us and then he went back and said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth. Let me tell you, When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you're going to know it. You're going to begin to feel a peace, but you're also going to have a passion. You're going to, if sin is going to bother you, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, when you're walking in darkness and you know, and you can't make right decisions, but someone has told you there is one who will guide you and live in you. It begins to make more sense. Very few people come to the Lord when they're healthy and wealthy. It's when those things begin to fail, and here comes the people. Well, how did he give? The wrapping was kind of important, wasn't it? Made of a woman under the law. Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. No, that does not mean young woman. Look what Luke 1 and verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel... When she found out she was pregnant, she said, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Born of a virgin, in the fullness of time, God became flesh. And we're told that the seed of a woman shall bruise the serpent's head. In Genesis 3, 15. Well, to whom did he give it? those that are under the law. We're all under the law or we're under grace. God gave the laws to the Jews. The Gentiles came along. We don't have time to go into that story, but listen to the answer. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, you say this with me as we close. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise he's not willing that any should perish he doesn't want anybody to perish but he wants all to come to repentance because the perishing have to come to repentance in order to be born again and God said I want everybody to come nobody is worthy but none will be cast out if you will come unto me I will in no wise cast you out you're included you're invited to receive the gift well why did he give it then why did he give it Galatians 4, 5, to redeem them that were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons. And in that seventh verse, wherefore, you're no more a servant but a son. He had to honor the law and pay the penalty required by law. And you know what that penalty was? Without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission for sin. Somebody had to pay for it. And God sent his son to do that. Is that not an awesome gift? The one thing we have to have—that it's an absolute must—we must have a sin sacrifice, and God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross and paid for our salvation. You know, the Lord doesn't need my fingerprints to know who I am because He made my fingers, and He doesn't know He doesn't need yours either. But we know this, and this comes all the way back from the prophet in the Old Testament by his stripes, by his stripes, we that choose to be are healed. But there's no other way, according to the Scripture. Someday, we're going home for Christmas. All the children are going home. What do you want on that Christmas? Christmas. You know what I want? I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. With well, your time, your talents, your substance, your position in life, your geographical location on the planet, with the things I chose to bless you with, you did not use them to make you look good. You, made, you used them to make him look good. That's what the church is to do. We're to let the world see that Jesus Christ cares for them. And what we're looking for, what you're looking for, because by the grace of God, I found it when I was seven years old. but what we're looking for is not under a tree. What you're looking for is on a tree. and it's called Calvary, and it's called a cross.